welcome to another episode of Tale of the Tape, the Sterling College Sports Medicine Podcast. I am Head Athletic Trainer Andrew Drake, and joining me as always will be the Director of Athletic Training Services, Dr. Pete Manili. Today's guest will be none other than Sterling College Head Women's Basketball Coach, Casey Bassett. Coach Bassett finished up her ninth year at the helm of the Lady Warriors program, coming off back-to-back regular season and conference tournament championships. She was voted by her peers as the Lonnie Cruz Coach of the Year in both of the past two seasons. She was also named the Women's Basketball Coaching Association and Kansas Basketball Coaching Association Coach of the Year for the 2020-21 season in which her team had an incredible 30-1 record. As a player, she found success on the court as a point guard for the Lady Warriors. During her career, she received awards such as Freshman of the Year, Player of the Year, and three-time first-team all-conference. Casey was named to the NAI All-American team for her senior season and honorable mention as a junior. She ended her career with the Lady Warriors ranking first in career assists with 549 and ninth in scoring with 1,374 points. In 2016, Casey was inducted to the Sterling College Athletics Hall of Fame. In 2007, she graduated from Sterling College with her bachelor's in education before later earning her master's in health, physical education, and recreation from Emporia State in 2010. It is my pleasure to welcome today's guest, Coach Casey Bassett. Welcome to Tale of the Tape. We're in our third episode here, and we finally have a non-athletic trainer as a guest. Uh, we're bringing in a coach, Coach Casey Bassett, the women's basketball coach here at Sterling. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing great. We're, we're happy to have you here. Um, we really want to try and get all uh, viewpoints of sports medicine. Um, we, we definitely believe coaches are a part of the sports medicine team, so we want to get their their input as well. Um we're going to start, though, with, with what we call the starting five, which is just five random questions, okay, um, kind of rapid fire, just to kind of loosen things up and, and get some conversation flowing, all right? Got it. All right, so our, uh, our starting question would be, you can have attended an event here or not, but what is the best venue in sports, in your opinion? Got to be Allen Fieldhouse. There's just nothing like it. No matter where you sit, it's a great place to, to view a game. It's always rocking no matter who they're playing. They could be playing, you know, a mid-major or a D2 school, and it's still just phenomenal. So Allen Fieldhouse is definitely my number one. Nice. Is that – I haven't been, but it's an old building. They don't have they don't have any of the, the like, Fenway and Wrigley problems with, with you're sitting in front oh, of a pole. Yeah, or we, we experienced that in, in our last <laughs> game uh, that we went to. We got to see KU versus Texas, and uh, I went with Tanner and Pete and their wives, and uh, we were literally in the very top row on a top bleacher, and it was uh, it was fun, though. I mean, it was so hot, and it was – but it, the atmosphere is unreal under overtime, and it was a pretty special game. If there's a place you could go to, where's your next place you'd want to go to? I really want to go to Cameron Indoor. I think that would be really, really neat. I'd love to go to a South Carolina women's game. I think that would be really neat. Um, you know, the baseball fields and stuff would be cool. I'd love to go to Fenway. I've been to Yankee Stadium, been to Old Comiskey, all those places. But uh, but I'd love to go to a Duke game just to see that atmosphere and be a part of the Cameron Crazies yeah. um, would, be, would be phenomenal. Yeah, we went to uh, this is killing the rapid fire thing, but we went to uh, <laughs> we used to go to NCAA division or uh, 
first and second round games. We'd just pick uh-huh. a city like the year before, and that made Selection Sunday even more so because it was like, who are we going to get to see, you know? And we went to uh, Charlotte one year, and back then, this had to be, I don't know, 2005, 2004, Cameron was wide open. Like, we went to tour Duke's campus and stuff like that, and Cameron Indoor was wide open. Like, we, we walked in, walked right out on the court. That's awesome. Like, we're going, and security guards saw us and stuff like that and never said a word to us. It, yep. and you No no way you could do that now, but. I don't mean, I don't feel how you do that right now. You think so? We've walked in there before. We're getting ready to go play St. Mary Auto in a football game and take our students up there and just walked in. Yeah. The women, the women were practicing the last time we were there, but. They didn't run us out of the gym. I've been to Cameron Indoor, not for a game, but this is the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. I went to Carolina, Wake Forest, NC State, and Duke, all in like one, you know, in the right tobacco road. Yeah. And we just walked right in. We did. I did that at Tennessee, too, when Pat Summit was there. Actually, our conversion van broke down right on Pat Summit Way, <laughs> and so we had no choice. So we just went walking around, you know, Knoxville and around the campus and got to see all this, the awards and stuff. It was pretty sweet. Yeah, that place is, again – they, they're open because they have camps there all summer. Yeah, yeah. but we yeah, tried I think they to. They might have had a camp actually going. We tried to walk into the Dean Dome, but they were having the uh, first and second round of the women's tournament there, so they had that place on lockdown. Oh yeah, yeah. I want to make sure our, our guests know this is our first in person. Yeah, right. Yeah. This is like our uh, real test for us. I've actually not seen someone through Zoom. <laughs> right. Right. Like literally for right sure. in front of us. I, no, yeah, I'd, I'd hope to have more of these. I don't, yeah, I'm honored. I am really honored on a lot <laughs> yeah. of levels to, to be a part of this. We will not be flying our other guests out if they cannot be here <laughs> in person, though. Uh, question two, our uh, our our uh, number two leading scorer uh, off the bench, actually be a starter from so the starting five. So what is your spirit animal? Oh, that's a really great question. I'd like to say cheetah, but I'm not that fast. Um, I would I would probably go with the easy one and say a dog. Oh, you know, just like to laze around when I laze around and can be pretty hyper and, and active when I need to be. Um, and so I love dogs, specific dogs, not little dogs. I'm not a little dog fan, but uh, but yeah, I just say a dog. Go, go, not, not going big, not going safari animal or anything like that. Kay. Just going with the dog. Nice. Yeah, good. So I don't know if you're a TV series person, but like Game of Thrones had a bunch of people that like celebrities that wanted to be a part of the show right mm-hmm. so they picked they they asked to be a part of it and they'd be an extra that maybe had their ear was in a fi- in uh-huh. a, a a clip if you could guest star or be an extra on any tv series what would it be you know i've, I've watched Grey's anatomy from when it first started so 18 19 years so that, that'd be pretty cool um and then i'm huge into the chicago shows chicago fire chicago pd i don't watch med but uh, it'd be pretty cool to be be a part of that chicago fire probably um, you know, I'm huge right now into like the Formula One show, the Drive to Survive on Netflix. I think it'd be cool just to make a cameo on that, you know, yeah. as a fan <laughs> in one of those races because that world is just unreal. Um, so, so yeah, those would probably be my top choices. Okay. Do you watch Survivor? Or I do. Those? I thought you'd like to say you might want to be on Survivor. No. Oh, gosh, no. I know. <laughs> I get hangry, and uh, I don't handle stress the greatest. And so <laughs> I would uh, – I would. don't think I'd be very liked. I'd love to do, like, Amazing Race or something like that. But yeah. I, I think I would be hated. America would hate me after a while because I'm so competitive. Yeah. And, and uh, driving stick and all the directionals. I'm directionally challenged, so it's, it's pretty uh, – that would not be good. I think okay. I could do it with my brother-in-law, Matt. We've talked about that, actually. 
Um, but but yeah, so I'm a, I would do Amazing Race. I would love to see the world that way. I thought that's what she might say. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. Survivor, no, I can't do bugs either. That, yeah. that would be that would be the deal breaker for me. So I just yeah, I'm good. All right, number four. If you had a slogan or catchphrase, what would it be? Man, guys, I hate these quick fire ones. Um, <laughs> just grind it out. I think uh, there's a lot of things in my life that, you know, I don't think, I think there's a lot of things in life you're not prepared for. And if you just kind of grind it out and, and show grit, I think you kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel at some point and find success. So, um, yeah, probably just grind it out. Just keep keep persevering, keep pushing through, don't quit, and good things will happen. What do you, of all the team slogans you've had, mm-hmm. what's what's been your favorite one? Probably unfinished business. Okay. Um, that had so much so much significance with the, the team before us being literally stopped before we played at, at uh, the national tournament. And those I'll never forget those seniors and, and those, their reactions and just the gut-wrenching of that whole situation um, was really, really hard. And, and the next year's team just really bought into that. They were just gung-ho to, to make sure that we were successful, not for just themselves, but for the team before. So that yeah. was that was pretty cool. That was something I vacillated a lot on. I'm like, man, is that cocky? Is that, you know, is that going to put a target on our back even more so than we already have? And just went with it, and it was a total God thing because – it, it worked out, and it, it really came to fruition, and that, it really fueled the girls, I think, in a, yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. I, we've kind of asked – you had a chance yesterday to ask our guests, but teams they've been a part of, like favorite slogans or favorite mm-hmm. sayings, those kind of things. Yeah. And so I know that every year with basketball – and most teams have a T-shirt or a catchphrase they mm-hmm. have. And some people have this just the same one all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, that, yeah, that's interesting. Now – I just want to get your what your take on that was. Unfinished business was definitely a, it definitely was a statement and then an answer, mm-hmm. which is pretty sweet. Which was what any coach wants or anybody right. that has a slogan for their year or catchphrase for the year, but you actually do it. Mm-hmm. You know, as compared to unfinished business and then you don't win a game. Absolutely, or or win a championship. You know, yeah. we had we had not for a really long time, and so it was really. That's why I kind of really just was wondering if that was the direction I should go. But yeah, I'm glad I did. It was it was it'd probably always be one of my favorites for sure. Okay, so coaches don't get a whole lot of, you know, time off in a given year, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got off season and stuff like that, but there there's no rest, right? Mm-hmm. So, let's say for one year you get paid leave from work, one calendar year. Mm-hmm. How are you spending that year? Uh, I was spending traveling the world. I assume that comes with unlimited money. I hope. <laughs> um, uh, but I, I'd love to travel. There's lots of places on my bucket list, and I would I would love to see you know, a lot of places in the world and, and just be able to recenter myself on the beauty that, that God has created and, and just be able to be in the moment and not have to worry about other things, which it sounds like that, that would be the opportunity. But uh, I would absolutely love to travel to Europe and to um, just all over the world, really. And I, I told Andrew you'd say I would just go to a beach and I would not leave the <laughs> beach for a whole year, so well, I was a little yeah, off on that. Yeah, I'd probably spend six months on a beach and then another okay. six months go, you know, England, Ireland, Austria, Germany, all those all those cool places. So you're no stranger to Sterling College. Um, you're in your starting your eighth, ninth year, ninth year yes. as as a coach, as a head coach. As a head coach. Um, you spent some time here as an assistant coach before that, and then Seven obviously mm-hmm. as a player. Did you go straight from being a player 
to being an assistant coach, or was there some time in between there? Or? There was one semester, so I, I still needed a student teach. I watched my roommate kind of go through student teaching while she was playing and um, saw the struggles and just how hard it was uh, to be on your feet all day and have a full-time job and then try to be a great college basketball player. And so I had just decided to kind of push my student teaching until after my basketball career was done. So I went home uh, that fall and student taught at home in fourth grade and uh, taught or, you know, was in fourth grade and then was a middle school basketball coach, which was an experience of an, in and of itself. And then I kept coming back. I, you know, I always thought I'd go home, teach fourth grade and be the high school coach uh, at my old high school. And Coach Cruz, every time I come back from my student teaching meetings would say, hey, when are you coming back? When are you coming back? And uh, it was November at the alumni game. And he said that to me again. And, and I'm like, ah. I don't know. And, you know, finally I kind of had conceded maybe I was going to go do that at least for a semester. And, and he told me that, you know, I was going to live in his basement for however long I needed to. And then I was going to be an assistant coach with him. So I moved in there in uh, late December, went on a road trip for the, like the day we got in and the rest is history. So I, you know, but right before I graduated too, coach Cruz called me in and, and said, I'll never forget. He's like, when it, you ever want to coach with me, you just let me know. I don't care if there's no spot on the staff or whatever, I'll make room for you. So I really appreciated that at the time. I had no idea what that would turn into. Um, really had planned on just being here for a semester and then getting a full-time teaching job somewhere, but ended up getting my master's and staying and then getting financial aid and staying and then full-time faculty and staying. And then, you know, coach retired and said he wanted me to take over for him. So 20 years later, here I am. I mean, 19 years here, you just mm -hmm. completed your 19th year here. That's and you were gone for one semester, just for the record, yeah. everybody. She was gone for one, one semester. semester. I've been here for all those 19 years. <laughs> I didn't leave for a semester. I'm just kidding. Um, lots of things you're going to talk about today. I know, because you and I are so close, and I know your story. Yeah. I think our viewers would want to, you know, you know, it's a sports medicine podcast, but they want to know the viewer, the, the listeners, want to hear know the the you know the the guest. Leavenworth, Kansas, yep. right? Mm -hmm. But you know your your travels to get to that point mm -hmm. were all over the place. They were so. Kind of tell us, like, um, you know what was what was growing up like for you? Because it wasn't just a Kansas girl. Yeah, so my dad was in the Army for 25-plus years, and with that came moving. And uh, I am one of, of five, and I'm right in the middle. So moving didn't uh, happen as much as for myself and my two younger siblings than it did for my two older, which I'm thankful for. Um, but we had two significant moves when I was, when I was younger that I really remember. Um, and if you know me, you know truly I'm a super introverted person. Um, and so I think our moves – really contributed to that just because I had to restart and just get to know people, which was not my strong suit. And uh, my older brother and sister were my oldest brothers, four years older than me. So, you know, they kind of had their thing. They were doing the middle school thing and, and we were younger. Um, and so it was kind of the three of us and the two of them. But, you know, basketball was always the the bridge for me, for sure. Um we, we lived in, in Michigan for a while. My dad went to the University of Michigan to get his master's degree. Then we went to, to West Point, New York, which was, which was awesome and just opened a lot of doors and got to see some really cool stuff. And, uh, and then in third grade, uh, going into my third grade year, we moved to Leavenworth and my dad was stationed at Fort Leavenworth. Um, and probably one of the most pivotal points of my life is in fourth grade, my dad went to Korea for a year by himself. 
Um, he, uh, my sister was going to be a junior in high school. You know, her and my older brother had moved probably six or seven times. Mm. And uh, the Army had told him you either, you know, he had done no overseas tours. And my family hadn't. So he said, you, you know, we'll send you to Germany for three years, your, your, full, your whole family, or we will send you to Korea for a year and your family can stay here and we'll, we'll guarantee that your daughter can graduate from the same high school. And so, you know, him and my mom decided for him to go to Korea. And that was just hard. You know, there was no FaceTime. There was no Skype. There was none of that. I remember getting letters from my dad and writing letters to my dad. And and uh, just a, a super, you know, that was actually the teacher. My fourth grade teacher is my favorite teacher ever. And that's who I went to student teach with, which was really cool. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and once again, basketball is just kind of that, that safe haven, that safe place. Um, and it, it did, it was really hard. I mean, I, I just look back at how strong my mom was. Uh, my dad was gone a lot, you know, in the field or doing training or, or whatever it may be. And, and, uh, I think it made our family really, really close because we did move and we had each other. Um, and I had great parents who were super strong and, and you know, especially my mom trying to take care of five kids and finding out, you know, three days before the movers were coming and you're moving to wherever. Um, and so that's just something that I'm very grateful for, but, you know, played basketball, started playing basketball. My parents tell stories when we were in Michigan, they'd be out doing yard work. I'd be three years old, just dribbling a basketball up and down the sidewalk. And they said they, you know, always had a basketball in my hand in, in New York. We had the opportunity, I had an opportunity in kindergarten to play basketball, you know, and, and lower goals and all that stuff. And just absolutely loved it. My mom coached and then just traveling to different army bases in Fort Leavenworth had, I got to play with the boys and that caused a big ruckus, um, <laughs> Fort Leavenworth and, and, uh, really got in Immaculata high school, uh, had some really good coaches and they allowed me to do some things that they, that were really special, you know, go to both the girls camp and the boys camp. They allowed me to work camp from like fifth grade until I was out of college. And, um, the eighth grade, seventh and eighth grade girls basketball coach, let me go practice with them from like fourth grade up to when I was in middle school, which was, which was awesome. And, um, so yeah, so, you know, being a shy person, basketball was always the place where I was the person I had, had always dreamed I would be of, of extroverted and a leader and all those things. And then basketball is really what brought me to Sterling. Um, I always knew I wanted to teach and coach, uh, since I was started working camps at, at Immaculata, but, uh, but yeah, basketball is just that common thread to, my life growing up, you know, just going out and shooting thousands of baskets and, um, you know, my, my parents, my dad retired and then they, you know, bought their first house. We had always lived on army, army bases. And, and, uh, I was devastated because in Fort Leavenworth out, out my window, we were on the top floor of these, these, uh, army, uh, housing and you could see the basketball courts. Whenever somebody was out there, I'd go out and, and, uh, and shoot or play or whatever. And then my mom could always see where I was at, too, when I was just out shooting. So I was devastated because there was no basketball court at the house. And they decided to, you know, pour a slab of concrete and create a basketball court in the back. And we spent a lot of time there. My older brother was a basketball player, and my sister-in-law played at Baker. So my younger brother, so we had some battles out there. But, um, you know, it all, all kind of revolves around basketball. My life does, really. Yeah. Um, opportunities. And, and it was it was my way to connect with people, for sure. You know, there was a lot of jealousy. There was a lot of that kind of stuff just because I was was pretty pretty good at it. But uh, it was definitely my safe place no matter where we moved, no matter where we were. We spent a lot of summers, you know, when, when we would move with my grandparents up in Illinois, which was always really fun and a cool memory for me. Um, but And my parents were super supportive of everything um, that we did. I played on a really, really, really good AAU team 
um, had some really bad experiences with some other teams. And so I remember crying and my mom <laughs> made me, she's like, you just have to go to this one tournament and I, I'll never forget. And it was in Oklahoma. And I'm like, as a Mustang, Oklahoma. And I was begging her mom, don't make me crying, crying, crying. And then I went and it was a great experience and played for, you know, seven more years. And yeah. So, so yeah, so basketball got me to Sterling and, you know, my faith grew and, and I, I grew, I've grown a lot as Pete knows in the last 19 years. And, um, but my, my childhood definitely made me who I am. You know, that grinded out that comes from my, my family. That's what, that's what you do. When stuff yeah. gets hard. You don't quit. You just figure out a different way and, and work hard. Go ahead. Oh, I was just curious, you know, you, you got a teaching degree from Sterling. Mm-hmm. When I was going to school here, I felt like most of the guys that I hung out with that were, getting a teaching degree we're we're doing that because they knew that was their end to coaching right Uh and now we've got you know health and human performance that has a coaching concentration like a lot of people just go to school to be a coach Mm -hmm. was getting a teaching degree always like an av like was the intent to be a teacher was the intent like i'm getting a teaching degree so that i can coach at like a high school or whatnot yeah i teachers were super influential for me when i was growing up so not really um, I knew it was a, an and, teach and coach, mm. but it wasn't a be-all, end-all for sure for me. Um, I think it, was, it wasn't until I came to Sterling and they put me in the classroom that I, I think I really knew what it took to be a teacher, and I loved it. You know, despite being super introverted, I just – I think I had a knack for it, and, and it was it's definitely become a passion of mine. Um, but – I didn't. I didn't teach to coach. I. I now know. I, I thank God every day because coaching is teaching, yep. for sure. And mm-hmm. I know without a doubt, I would not be in the position I am without that elementary ed background. You know, coaching is, is a lot of management, and, and uh, elementary school teaching is a lot of management. And you know, th- that's not my most favorite part of stuff, but it's really, really, really important. And so, a lot of the things I learned through my elementary ed degree and. You know, my observations, my student teaching, working as a substitute are, really helped help me be able to, to be a full-time faculty here, which, which was huge, huge step for me, and then, then be a head coach for sure. I think it's interesting you said your catchphrase was like, grind it out. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people, and so this is, again, a lot of our listeners are going to be young athlete trainers, either in our program or alums, you know, and that's our, our hope is to give people – things they can learn from, things they can go, grow from. So my, 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 next, my next question for you, freshman year to senior year, and, and it's almost like I'm going to go in as an assistant athlete trainer, as the low person on totem pole, but i got to prepare myself to be the, the number one person on totem pole, sometimes whether I like it or not, and maybe something that I want to do. Mm-hmm. And then so – that mindset flip for you, first question. The second question is then the same thing to get to where you are now. You know, barely paid assistant coach, <laughs> number one assistant coach to the head coach. Like those those were all grind them out things. They also were almost like change change your stripes. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like Absolutely. literally, you are who you are. Well, I, w- I would say, no, you are who you want to be. Mm-hmm. So kind of about those two things there, literally about not the grinded out part, mm-hmm. but you did, you changed. Yeah. You, 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 whether you wanted to or not, you changed. So what, what was that? What was that like for you? You know, I, I came here as a freshman. And like I said, I came here to play basketball. Certainly it was a great program. Um, and I got recruited by a lot of schools and 
I'm a, I was a huge homebody. And so going just three and a half, four hours away from home was huge for me. And I, I battled homesickness big time, um, big time. So when I have kids come in and, and talk to me about that, I, I definitely have a heart for that. But it, it was tough. I remember, I remember the first practice. We were at the high school, and Coach Cruz literally, we were putting in an offense because at that time we had like, you know, 12 practices before our first game. And he threw the ball to me and said, go to the top of the key. And from that point forward, I was the point guard for the next four years of a very, very, very successful team and very, very successful program that had upperclassmen that were established and were playing. And, and uh, so that was difficult um, for sure. But, yeah, I, I was homesick a lot. Um, just the ups and downs of being a college athlete, that, that's difficult. I was really, really lucky. I think my dad maybe missed six or seven games my whole career. You know, even he would he would drive at that time it's Thursdays on a, on a Thursday and then get back at two or three in the morning, then go to work. And then him and my mom would try to come on Saturdays if my siblings, you know, didn't have other stuff going on. But uh, so that helped a lot with the homesickness and, and their support. Um, and, and yeah, there were things that happened during that time with my team. I was just like, man, is, is this worth it? But I knew, like you said, you just kind of figure stuff out through my junior to my senior year. We had, we had you know, some some records that Coach Cruz had. We had not had a successful season to the standard that was Sterling College, you know, probably to a, to a normal standard. I look back and I'm like, man, that actually wasn't that bad. But um, <laughs> And so, like Pete said, just kind of had to morph myself a little bit um, and become a different kind of player, maybe have a confidence in myself in a different way as a player and become a scorer and, and that kind of thing. Um, but, but, yeah, it – I, I see myself from my freshman year to my senior year, just like anybody, you just grow up a ton and you learn a lot. And I think if you don't adapt and you don't change, then you're not going to be successful. I really, really believe that. And then going into my coaching career, yeah, I I remember having conversations with my parents, you know, living off, off loan money for my master's degree. Um, obviously, living with Coach Cruz and Carol helped tremendously with that, but I was making nothing. <laughs> absolutely nothing and and I just look back even now and I'm like why did I why you know why what made me continue just to I I always like I said I was going to teach fourth grade and and be my high school coach like why did I just keep for three years really substitute teaching and grinding it out um and then got the financial aid and then did the the full-time teaching but it just once again just kind of did what I had to I loved being here I loved working for Coach Cruz. I knew I wanted to stay involved in basketball and I had an opportunity actually to go and be my high school's head coach. And the AD at that time became a just a you know old gruff dude. Um, we were talking before at our last Friday, you know, through erasers, through chalk, that that kind of dude, old school. Um, he was like, "Why? Why do you want to come and be the coach here?" He's like, "You're going to be the next coach at Sterling," and I'm like, "No, I'm not." And that was the first time I think I ever heard anybody say to me, "I was," you know yeah, you're going to be the next coach at Sterling. And, and so gave up, passed up that opportunity, which was hard to go back, you know, to go back home and, and teach where my mom was working and, and uh, be at Immaculata. But, yeah, just – then I got opportunities to, to teach, which I knew I loved. And then Coach Cruz, like I said, kind of pronounced me his, his uh, heir apparent, which was crazy. And when, when I first started as a head coach, man, it was hard. Um, I, w- I was really blessed to be successful as a player and won a lot, didn't lose a lot, and I'm not a good loser, and, and we lost a lot. And just trying to find myself and figure out how I could be Casey Bassett and not Lonnie Cruz, 
um, was a huge piece to that. For for about three, four years, I, I struggled with that and just kind of growing and changing. And, you know, Coach Cruz passing away was a huge, huge, huge pivotal point in my life um, because I knew I my mentor was no longer there and I needed to grow up big time. Um, a, to make him proud, but B, because I knew I could do it. And uh, he chose me, and so I, that that just fueled me, I think, a lot. Um, and then just got a couple players that really changed the program culturally, which was huge. And and now, you know, we're sitting where we're at, I think, in a, in a really, really good position and, and just really proud. I look back at those first couple years of, teach, of uh, coaching, and I'm just like, oh, my goodness, like, I wish I could go back and – I, I would apologize to those <laughs> those uh, players I had and just be like, man, I've I've grown a lot. But I think everybody can say that probably looking yeah. back on their career for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So you you touched on it a little bit with Coach Cruz being a mentor mm-hmm. to you. Um, could you tell us a little bit more kind of about that relationship mm-hmm. and and some of the things you learned from him yeah. as well as like any other mentors that have you know played a, a big role in your life. Yeah, Coach Cruz was a huge one for me, obviously. You know, he was uh, – I really dragged my feet making a decision of where to go to college, much to my parents' chagrin. And I'm sure Coach Cruz, too, now that I look back on it. But uh, um, he had called me – there was a tornado that had been in Wyandotte County um, on a Saturday. And on a Sunday night, he called me and didn't want to talk basketball, just wanted to ask if we were okay because he knew Leavenworth County was near Wyandotte. And, you know – in that moment, I knew Sterling was where I wanted to go because of him. Um, and so that was super pivotal to me. And I knew the kind of person he was, and, and that's who I wanted to play for. You know, at that time, Sterling didn't have cable. There was no air in the dorms. It was it was pretty <laughs> behind the times um, with stuff. And, and I look back on that, too, and, like, man, that was, that was truly God, like, pushing me here and knowing what was to come. Um, but, but, yeah, it was, was a huge – you know, entrusted me. Like I said, I started every game of my career that I, except for, except for one, uh, every game of my we won't career. Talk about that one. Yeah, we won't talk about that one. We can talk about that one. There's still some bitterness for that. We one. don't talk about Bruno. Yeah, we don't talk about <laughs> not starting. Uh, but um, yeah, it was you know, entrusted me, and I was this point guard, and and that really was everything to me. That that, that this Hall of Fame coach, you know, uh, would. Just kind of gave me the keys to the kingdom a little bit and, and run his team was huge. Um, and we were successful. I got to see a lot of success. And then I got to see uh, a man who was tired and I got to see a man who um, was kind of ready to be done. And I learned a lot from that too. Um, and, um, you know, the, his family made me a part of their family, which was really, really fun. And, you know, that's it, the craziest thing. Callie Breyer, I mean, I was here when she was born. And now she's going to be in our program, which just blows my mind. Um, and he would be pretty – he'd think that was pretty cool. But, yeah, just in a lot of the things that I do, a lot of the things that I say, my mannerisms, sometimes I find myself doing the same things that, that he did. Um, you know, our styles are really different. I think he would have liked our style. Um, I think we needed to, to make a change as far as just because basketball has changed so much. Um, but – you know, and expectations and, and all those different things. He was he was huge in, in kind of fostering that and of things I wanted to do. And then things, you know, my first couple of years, I did everything the Lonnie Cruz way. And 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 it was hard to separate Sterling College basketball from Lonnie Cruz. And it will always be that for sure. Um, but I had to figure out ways then to, to make it Casey Bass's program. And, and, and that was huge. 
Yeah, I mean, Coach Cruz was, you know, here for 33 years, uh, Kansas Sports Hall of Famer, NAIA Hall of Famer. Uh, when he finished his career, over 700 wins. He's in the top 20 in all women's basketball, all levels of NCAA, NAIA, anything, top 20 in wins. Um, and besides championships and 20-win seasons and all those things and Final Four, Elite Eight, Sweet Sixteens, he was also just this mammoth of a man. <laughs> he, he was a presence himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think, again, for young young people listening, uh, I, I hope they all leave their jobs with shoes unable to be filled. Or boots, yeah. Or boots. <laughs> um, but to understand you can wear your own and become the next one someone else has to fill. You know, that's – I always try to tell people you, sh- you should work so hard they can't fill your shoes, you become ir- irreplaceable. Mm-hmm. However, we're all replaceable. And someone's going to replace what you just did, so it's up to them to create to create that. And mm-hmm. it doesn't happen again overnight. No. And if you do come in and try and change status quo, which which happens, you know, you, you get a coach outside of the tree mm-hmm. um, that rocks the boat, and it can rock boosters and fans and alums, and but you still got to establish yourself. Mm-hmm. I think it's been a really cool thing for me again to see to see the 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 dominance to see the downfall and, and you know and, and to see the rise mm-hmm. um and, and one thing about coach Cruz is in his 33 years people would say he ran the same thing always but he really didn't no. I mean even in your four years we changed off we know we still had our base thing uh-huh. but he changed offenses yeah. literally almost almost obviously three times yes. we don't talk about two in but at least three <laughs> times right I mean it, he did he changed he was a person that people would say Lonnie did what Lonnie did, and and you and I would say he actually didn't. No. And I don't think even before you and I were here, mm-hmm. he did change as well too. Absolutely. You know, and things were different. I get that, but what you have created here with what your teams do right now, with how you, with how they run and how they score, he would love because he would say the same thing like you just said. You got to change. Yeah. You know, it's it's you don't have six foot two kids. You don't have D one transfers. So how are you gonna win? Well, you got to find a system or a culture that wins. That's been, again, just a, you know, a, not everyone knows Lonnie Cruz, which is a sad thing. I mean, I think every, it happens at every place, but um, it's hard to fill big shoes. Mm-hmm. Really hard to fill big shoes. And I was naive to that, I think, in a good way. I, I'm glad I was. I think whatever position you're going from, from assistant to head, you you don't know what you don't know. And, and I think that that's a good thing sometimes. I think if I, I look I think if I would have known what my first three years would have been like, I'd have been like, heck no, I'm going to go teach and, and get out of this world. Um, but you just take things day by day, just like you do in your life, and you grow from it, hopefully, and, and that's 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 a big, big piece of it. Yeah. But I was very naive to just the, I mean, wow, what a career by him and, and the notoriety he has across the country. And I just – I didn't dwell on that, which I'm really – you know, people that know me, that probably shocks them. But I just, I didn't, and I'm glad I didn't because the normity of that is is pretty, pretty, pretty unreal. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think that you know, had you not had those, those struggles at the beginning of your head coaching career, you, at least if I was in your shoes, I don't know that I would have been as proud of the where you're at now, because you would have maybe if you'd have just had continued success, then you maybe would have never got to the point where it's like, no, this is 
Casey Bassett's program, it, it would have been just like, oh, I, I continued to ride coattails. You know what I mean? And and that's not the case. I mean, you're you're now in in year eight, nine of being a head coach. These are this. It's not like you still have girls on the team that he recruited. Mm-hmm. Like this is one thousand percent your team, and and you've gone down, you know, into the cellar and and crawled your way back up. Mm-hmm. Um, and and just kind of a side note. My first ever trip to NAI Nationals with another team, I was I was uh, working at Friends University, was the year that Coach got inducted into the, the NAIA uh, Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And you guys, Sterling was not in the tournament that year, but it was, you know, you guys were there. And, and that was just, I was really happy that I was there for that. Um, Coach Cruz, I, I never had like a lot of, interaction with coach Cruz but just was always somebody that from afar um really admired him his team how he carried himself um and the fact that I tell this story all the time you didn't you may not have known that he knew you but he knew who you were you know what I mean like I was just the kid that set up the gym for basketball games and like he'd be like hey Andrew how you doing and I'm like um good sir you know you know who I am oh oh okay yes sir yep uh, hope you're having a great day. You know, like yeah. just he knew who you were and, and he wanted wanted you to to feel like you were known, like you were included. And I just I always admired him for that, even if I didn't have like a really close relationship with him. Well, I made you feel like a million bucks, you know, and I hate that for my players now. He he did a really good job and it was hard for me at the time to see it. But he 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 stepped back, you know, and he he wanted it to be my program. I just didn't know how to, to make it my program. And so, um, you know, he would have absolutely been the first one. He would have been the happiest person in the world, the success that we've had these last couple of years. And he would have loved these kids. And, you know, him and Carol would have had him over for, for dinner and been a part of Christmas, you know, all that stuff. And so that, that makes me really, really sad um, that he hasn't been a part of that. And that challenges me to continue to keep his legacy alive of, of some of those things that, that he did, you know, like our Christmas party and, and, and just lots of things. Um, but I think also, you know, another thought I had when you were talking, Drake was just the, the not so fun times made me really appreciate the awesome times. I never, never forget. Um, you know, we went to nationals all the time and, and, I took it for granted. I think Pete's probably the same way. I really, really took it for granted because it's just what we did. And then we didn't, and we didn't, and we didn't, and we didn't. And I just remember sitting in the hallway of the Marina Inn. I don't know. If, I don't think it's that called that anymore. Um, when we made it our, my first year as a head coach and just calling my mom and just crying, you know, I'm just going, oh, my goodness, you know, like I knew I missed this. I knew I shouldn't have taken it for granted. I took it for granted, and now how, like, special – this this moment is to to be back here and how proud coach Cruz would have been and um that's just that really resonates and you know something something as simple as getting rings like Pete and I never got rings when when I played or coached because they did it 16 17 times and for coach Cruz and the coaching staff is just like yeah that's what we do but um you know I'll never forget something Pete said is for those kids it's their first you know and it could be their only and mm-hmm. so just trying to make it special for each group not take it for granted and COVID has really put a wrench in that a little bit you know some of our cool stuff that and the and the divisions changing has absolutely changed that a ton you know the special things that we know with Sioux City 
just it's it's changed a lot um, but continue to make it special for for the players because it is it might be their first it might be their only it could be one of four it could be you know whatever it may be so just trying to make it special for them and not taking it for granted because it can man he he always said the lowest of lows are, are no the highest of highs are never as high as the lowest of lows and that that's the truth yeah that's the truth and when you get the top everybody's it, it's just it's almost harder to to maintain that um, the pressure just I feel a lot more pressure now than I did when when we were you know just kind of average and okay for sure staying on those lines of like uh, the success and following and of uh, coach Cruz but where and you mentioned when coach Cruz passed away things changed for you uh, of planting your feet down and being your own thing but um Building a winning culture. What what's and it's, you mentioned the players, but what have you done to build a winning culture? What what intentional things to get to where we are now? Somewhere it flipped somewhere, right? I mean, it it did. You know, making the tournament every year. This 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 college has always been in the KCAC tournament, which is even in the gears we years we've not been great, still made the tournament. Right, mm-hmm. but highest of highs, lowest of lows, back to the highest of highs again. Somewhere in there, it had to become yours, and it wasn't Coach Cruz's culture anymore. It was Casey Bassett. So, yeah. where did it flip, and and what did you do to get there? I think, like I said, Coach Cruz's passing away rocked my world for sure on a, on a lot of levels. Um, I think it it made me really jump to uh, shore up some of my mental health problems, Um, you know, depression and anxiety and and things like that that I'd struggle with my whole life. Um, And growing up, people just didn't talk about it, you know. And and so um, I think it it, his his passing away definitely heightened those things, and I realized I needed to get help, um, and I got help, and that was really game-changing for me um, just to have strategies to cope with those things. Um, at a super high-pressure job um, where one of your biggest people in your life just passed away and is is no longer there for you. Um, So that was game-changing. And then I think just finally figuring out what was important to me and then figuring out how to hold people accountable. Um, And it was getting a handful of players that believed in me, um, that believed in what – the decisions I made and the things that I was holding them accountable for would pay off for them. And so that was, I think that was really, really the, the turning point for me. And, and, uh, I think that's, I think that's maybe one of the biggest things my players would say is I hold them accountable, you know, and sometimes they don't like me, I would imagine very much, but I, I think that they love me and respect me. Uh, and, uh, and that's, that's huge coming to that of, you can't have everybody like you all the time. It's just, it's part of it. And I'm a huge people pleaser. And, and that's, that's huge. And, um, you have to have really thick skin too. I think that that's what, what I was able to do things still hurt. Oh goodness. Absolutely. And, and people are always going to have opinions. Um, you know, sports are some of the worst ones. Everybody thinks they can officiate and everything's they can coach. Um, and, uh, and so there's a lot of opinions that are, that are put out and, and Sterling is a wonderful town, but they, they love their sports and, and they have opinions. And so just kind of developing some thick skin with that. Um, I think also 
tightening up my inner circle, um, not tightening up, but, but allowing myself to open up and, and truly be my authentic self with my inner circle and like trusting that I could vent and talk to and, and know that, that those people were loyal and had my back through everything. I think that that was a huge turning point too. you know, you Pete and, and Tanner have been a huge piece to that, um, of just m- me letting, you know, being myself and, and not being anybody else and, and allowing, yeah. allowing me to be me and just loving me despite that sometimes. Um, and then, so that, that's, that's been, that's been really huge. So. Where do you think the wolf pack mentality was at in this transition? Do you think? Yeah, I didn't even think about that. That, that was huge. Uh, you know, defense has been something we've just struggled with. I don't know what it is. I think <laughs> as a player, I definitely love offense more than defense and, um, you know, Coach Crandall, everybody knows Coach Crandall, but uh, he was kind of in charge of the defense. And so that was even when I was an assistant coach, not something that I was super involved in. I was more offensive minded. And I think Coach Cruz allowed me as an assistant coach in kind of my last four or five years to really take the reins of that and, and allowed me to, to do some things with it and call plays and those kinds of things from the sideline. Um, so we've that's just something we've struggled with, which really, really just irks me. Um, and so I don't remember maybe five years ago, mm-hmm, I, think so. I just decided that I wanted to change the whole method of how we did, um, we did our defense and it was the, the pack line defense and then came up with this wolf pack tagline. And, and once again, we had a group of kids at that time that just, man, they, they love that. And we broke, you know, wolf pack on three. And then they started howling like a wolf and, and it was, I'm sure people think we're crazy because we're the Warriors. I know they do. Um, and we, we say Wolfpack. But, uh, yeah, that that was a huge piece to it, too. You know, once again, kind of those slogans, those hashtags. Wolfpack was really the first one. Then we had one team, one family. And then we had unfinished business. And uh, then this past year, or what was this year? Run is one. One is run, yep. Mm-hmm. And, I, yeah, and then this next year I already have that one pick. So, um, yeah, Wolfpack's huge. And that has carried on, which has been pretty cool. Yeah. You know, that's one of the things Pete's kids love to do. My nephews <laughs> love that. And it's just, uh, it's a mentality. And that's that's a lot of what sports is about. It's just that mentality that I like that. Just the the mental picture it, it has of a wolf pack and just having each other's back. Um, and having the coaching staff's back, which is which is huge. Um, and, and just being one, which is which is really, really important. So, yeah, yeah no, I, I didn't even think about that. But that, that's a huge, huge piece in that, that whole kind of puzzle. Yeah. You're obviously a, a, a leader on this campus. Um, you, you kind of lead our student leaders, you know, be kind of heading up our, uh, salt team, our student athlete leadership team. Um, what do you, like, what are some characteristics that you think make a good leader? If you're say looking for captains on your team or you're looking for, an assistant coach, like what are some characteristics of leadership that you look for and you uh, value? I think number one, I want my leader to be the hardest worker. I, like I said previously, accountability is really, really big to me. And so it really makes it hard for you to follow someone who doesn't do the things that they want you to do, um, you know. And so that I think that's super, super hard. Um, and I want – so I want them to, to be the hardest worker. I want them to – you know, not anybody, no one's perfect, but I want them to really strive to do things right and to, to work hard. I don't think your leader necessarily has to be your best player. Um, 
I, you know, we've had examples within the program of, of kids that didn't play a second, but I would consider a leader. It definitely helps as a coach when your best player is your leader. And, um, and so, so that's huge. So, so being the hardest worker is, is really, really, really important to me. Um, and then just, I think that loyalty is, is really, really important. Um, you know, it's, uh, at Christmas this year, once again, we were working on defensive stuff and we completely switched how we were playing defense at Christmas. And one of the girls were like, man, coach, we love this. And I, it clicked with me that these girls would do anything I asked them. If, if, if they wanted me to play four on five, you know, they'd be like, okay, coach, we're going to go do that. And they didn't even question it. And they were just, you know, they're like, they didn't like the way that we play defense. And, but coach told us to do it. So we're going to do it. Um, and so, and that was the mentality of the leadership. And so that definitely carries on. So, um, those, those are, those are huge. I want someone who is not afraid of change, who can, who can handle adversity. You know, Bailey, Bailey Albright this year, um, just emerges a huge, huge, huge leader for us. And, you know, unfortunately had a season ending injury, but, uh, just really, I was so proud of her of, of how she handled that. And, uh, you knew you knew she was a leader, but you don't realize how big of a leader is until they're gone. Um, and so, so that that was huge. But uh, yeah, leadership is is huge. I've definitely um, I want to. My big kind of goal in life is to empower female leaders. I think that's really, really, really important. Um, I am a, a, the lead of the student athlete leadership team, and I teach psych sport here. And there's days I'm like, why am I still teaching this? Like, I have 80 million other things I can do, but it's because I get to know the students from different sports and. Um, I think in that class particularly, you have kids that open up to you, uh, and you can. I, there's two softball girls particularly this year. I'm just like, hey, come on, you you need you need to be strong. You need to be confident. You guys are awesome. You guys are great students. You are very 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 intelligent. You are beautiful. You are, you know, athletic. Like, you have to be confident. Be leaders on campus. And so that's that's something I'm super passionate about. But uh, but hardworking, hold themselves accountable. Those are those are steadfast. I mean, those are hard. I, you got to have it as a leader for me, for sure. Um, <clears throat> getting a chance to go and talk in front of officials like you have in the last few summers and, and even recruits, you know, you've had a chance to go and do, obviously pre-COVID. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, if, if you were going to be invited to be a speaker, you know, we've gone to PGC stuff together, you and I have, mm -hmm. and or even the WBCA, mm -hmm. if they were going to bring you in and have you, all right, coach, you want to bring you in and be a speaker for us? Mm -hmm. What do you want to talk about? Like you could pick your own topic. What mm -hmm. would you What would you choose in front of? Like keep on your front of your peers now. So it's, <laughs> the pressure is going to be really high. But <laughs> very high. forget that for a minute. In front of kindergartners, right? I mean, yeah. What do you What What be something? Something you like? I I could talk about this because I I'm knowledgeable on it and I'm passionate about it. What would that be if you thought you're going to be in front of a group of, of like I said WBCA coaches? Yeah, I I think. Basketball-wise, I think it'd be playing fast. I think I think we've developed a system and a way to progress basketball players to be able to play fast, and, and they either can or they can't. Um, and that that is uh, that is apparent really fast. Um, but we do things in practice, and and you know everything kind of leads up to that. Uh, recruiting obviously plays a huge role in that and that kind of thing. But I would I would love to to talk about that. Um, and just offense in general, you know, the different kinds of offenses and when to, to do this and when to do that. I, I love that that part of it. Um, so play, playing fast would be my basketball one. I think, you know, outside of basketball, I just I love the psychology of, of stuff. Um, I really regret not getting my master's in, like, psychology of sport or, or exercise. 
Um, and I've really, really considered and actually done research into getting a PhD in it, but um, it's just, it's so important. I was a mental head case as an athlete. Um, thank goodness for my parents and, and Coach Cruz handled me really well too. Um, but it, it, that's something I'm really passionate about. And uh, like I said, I get to teach it every day, or not every day, two days a week. And um, it's something just about everybody can relate to. And so just talking about grit and talking about resilience and talking about how it applies not only to sports but to your life is something I'm super passionate about. So I would, I would, in a heart, I could talk about that for, for days and yeah. what books to read and, you know, what I just read and, you know, all this stuff. And I'm that person, you read a book and then I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the greatest thing ever. And so I read the next one and that's <laughs> the greatest thing and, yep. and, and so on. So that's, those, that's stuff that's really important to me. Yeah. The, you know, the podcast is a sports medicine podcast and so – you, know, you asked why do you guys want me on here, and <laughs> and have. you know, and and we're looking at who we're going to bring on here. There's there's a story and there's a conversation that actually keeps the listeners listening. Yeah. And we we're proud that our podcast honestly is something that's going to be people can listen to 20 minutes here, then 20 minutes there. And and do we want it to be two hours? No, we don't. We want it to be a conversation. And and so the conversation kind of switches then to to a sports medicine you know piece of this. And so um. Andrew, when we interview coaches, ask the question, you know, what is your role as a coach in prevention? And so we're obviously not interviewing you today, but in theory we actually are interviewing you today. <laughs> so what, what do you think your role is in injury prevention? I, th I think it's huge. Um, I think my biggest role is to allow the experts to be experts in their field. Um, I am not a strength and conditioning expert by any means, and I think one of the greatest things Sterling College has done is hire a strength and conditioning coach. That was something that scared me to death, um, is coming up with these programs I had nothing, I knew nothing about with ACLs and, and females. And it just, I, I, I hated it. And, and during the season, it just didn't become a priority because I just, it was something I just wasn't super passionate about. Um, and the same thing with athletic training. I, I've been really, really lucky, you know, in high school, didn't have athletic trainers. And really the first experience I ever had was here. And uh, we're we're blessed, which is you know the best in the in the country, any any level. And so, uh, on top of that, you know, Pete, you and I are such great friends. It, it just makes it that much easier. But I think it's my role to trust um, what you're saying and your opinion. I think we have something unique here where you're a part of our team, and I know that you're not going to make a decision without thinking it through and and understanding the ramifications it could have. But at the same time doing what's best for the student athlete yep. and you know there's times when I'm like gosh dang it like they should have a sprained ankle like they can go and sometimes you're like yeah no they, they can't and and just being okay with that in a sense you know not being okay with it but but trusting you to know that that you're going to do everything in your power to get that kid back and you're going to tell me when they're ready and if they're not ready they're not ready and really trusting that so as far as prevention goes, is, is trusting Matt that he's doing what he needs to. I truly believe Matt Edwards, our strength guy, has – I mean, we've had one major injury in, in the last two years since, since he joined, and that has done a huge uh, service for us of staying healthy um, and making runs deep into March. I mean, we're done the, the third week of March now, which is, which is nuts, and that's just a lot of wear and tear. Um, and, then the, and then in the AT room, you know, I go in after practice in the rapid reboot in the – stem and just everything the the technology that you guys use and your guys's expertise just 
help the recovery process. And that, that's so important in prevention is, is that recovery process. Um, and so that's, I think a coach's role is, is huge just to empower them to do what they can, they need to do in order to, to keep a team going. And, you know, sometimes you get that news you don't want to hear and, and it sucks for the coach, but at the same time, the, the athletic, it sucks for the athletic trainer too. Um, and so just, just trusting them, I think is probably the biggest role I can play. Yeah. Pete kind of had, had mentioned to me um, that you guys kind of do like an ACL specific mm-hmm. warm up, mm-hmm. and that um, that was that that was you. That wasn't something that he implemented. That was yeah. something that you, mm-hmm. you know, did your research on, mm-hmm. sought people out, got their advice. Can you kind of walk us through that process of like seeing an issue and then how you went about going and kind of yeah. developing this program? Yes, um, you know, Pete Pete has better data on that, but we were. Even when I played, we had, man, an unbelievable amount of ACL injuries. Um, and then as an assistant coach, we just continued to have ACLs. And it didn't matter who you were. It didn't matter your athleticism. It didn't matter body type. It was just – it was happening. Um, and so I, it was a conversation on Coach Cruz's, you know, as he's watching TV and I was watching TV with him. And just, man, this is so frustrating. There's, there's got to be something we can do to help us, to, to make it, make us less susceptible to doing it. We, we know that there's nothing probably we can really do to, you know, like a Bailey's, hers was a freak thing and there's probably nothing we can do to absolutely prevent it. But what can we do to prevent as much as we possibly humanly can? And so, yeah, I just started doing research that summer and came across an athletic trainer. I don't remember now who it was. Um, I think it was like 2012 or, or mm-hmm. 2011, right around that mm-hmm. time frame because um, we were just fed up. We were frustrated. We are so frustrated with it. And, um, you know, at that time, we, we just went right into practice. We did no – I don't think we did any stretching. I don't I don't nope. remember um, – I don't remember doing – we did – yeah, maybe a little bit, but, you know, your static stuff. And, um, and so, yeah, just did research on it, came across this ACL warm-up, had some dialogue with the AT, and, and uh, she said, yeah, I think it was a soccer coach possibly – uh, a soccer team that she had implemented or a volleyball team. It was a volleyball team that she had implemented with. And she had a YouTube channel that had all the exercises on it and everything and, and just kind of had a dialogue with her. And then we decided to adopt it. And and uh, it's just kind of been ingrained in, in what we do as a program for the last 10 years. We do it before we do anything. Um, you know, I know our girls probably don't do it, execute it as well as they probably should, but they're doing it. And I think they understand why we're doing it. Um, you know, just a series of dynamic stretching type things. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think it's, you know, I knock on wood, I hate even talking about knees, but I think it's I think it's helped. I think it's, you know, since then, I'm sure there's a lot of factors that go into it, but but uh, those instances I think have gone down a little bit, and, and uh, I think it's helped helped a little bit, if not actually helping them mentally, you know, just this. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know, Pete, you'd have a you know, well, better yeah, of mean, that. But. You know, it was the kind of our last our last run of the national tournament mm-hmm. you know I mean we had one more year left after that but we our five consecutive regular season titles uh finished with you know our starting two guard our backup two guard on our leading score all with ACL tears at the national tournament when we're there now they don't tear with the national tournament but we get to the national tournament and we have three starters mm-hmm. not playing at all and a fourth who was a freshman with a bad ankle injury and, you know, I had multiple parents asking me, we'd had three, we'd had five, we'd had three, we yeah. had five, we had three, we had three, we had three, and what are you going to do about it? And I, 
you know, again, being a, being a person in the profession for a long time, it's easy to say at some point you, you can't stop the inevitable, yeah. right? And so Coach Bassett was like, what's, you know, okay, but took it upon herself to do some research, you know, and talk, and talk with Coach, Coach Cruz. And since that next season, like you said, it's been, it's been over 10 years now, but 10 years, I can count instead of five in one season, I can count five in one hand in those 10 years that were ACLs that were totally isolated mm -hmm. just on their own. We've had a lot of ACLs in that time, not by a lot, I mean one or two every couple of years, but they're all, honestly, they were retailers. They were, they were the kind of graph they had done, maybe the surgeon that had done it, maybe sometimes it's just luck. But I can probably count on one hand in the last 10 years how many kids have torn their ACL, um, non-contact, totally isolated ACL, and and I you know that the proof is in the pudding. Before that, we'd average. I mean, we probably averaged two and a half to three ACLs per year. And in the next ten years, we've maybe only had 0.7. And and that's a huge thing for those that are listening. You don't always have all the answers. And a person who does research on something brings it up to you instead of being defensive about it, think progressive about. Yeah, let's take a look at it. And and kudos to, kudos to you because you can be like, "Well, I want to step on Pete's toes. I'm, I'm implementing something." And anybody that knows me, I'm I'm all about give me advice, give me some stuff. And I'll, there are certain things I'll get defensive on, absolutely. But if it's in the best interest of our athletes or my family or me, you know, it's really hard to say, "What? Well, no, we're not doing that." And, and I've been in this profession for over 25 years, and that's probably one of the few things that I've, you can absolutely look at and say has changed. It's changed our program. It's changed our athletes' injuries. And credit or not, luck, karma, whatever it may be, it's worked. And so I've had a lot of alums ask me over the years to video that mm -hmm. and send it to them because they've have, they're having issues where they work at. Yeah. And we have a kid that comes late to practice, you know, because they get at a lab and they're 45 minutes late. I don't let them touch the court no. until they've done an ACL. I don't either. We, go to your ACL. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm just, it's superstition. <laughs> yeah. But – I'm not about to change you, it now. No. You guys aren't superstitious. No, no. not at all. No. Not at all. Not at all. Not it's the, the same thing. I mean, those ACLs, they're the most hard. They're so heartbreaking. And, and, uh, and yeah, there's a problem. So we're just trying to figure out. It's just like defense, you know. It's you got a problem on the basketball court. Something's not working. you got to figure out a way to, to, to fix it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of that one. You know, it was, it was not me. It's just research I did. But, um, but yeah, something that's that's hopefully paid off, you know, continues to pay off as well. So sports science is kind of like the new thing, right? Like, mm -hmm. yeah. um, you know, at a, at a, at a division one school, they may have a sports science department, right. Mm -hmm. That, that collects all that data or, yeah. you know, before they do anything on the court, they go use these force plates to see what force they're generating that mm -hmm. data to, Hey, this is what their load should look like. Right. And so the other big thing is, especially maybe in the NBA and stuff like that is load management, yep. right. You know, basketball, is you guys know you know better than anyone else basketball you're going from september to now you're saying third week of march yeah long season right so whether it's load management physically or maybe mentally with mental health or something like that at this level not having all the f fancy toys how do you manage that load right how do you get people from you know the what is it the third week in september to the third week in march yeah, it's it's something that's always in my mind, um, and then also with that understanding that Bailey Albright's load is different than Bethany Stuckey's load. Just body makeup, 
in shapeness, you know, cardiac capacity, all that good stuff. Um, that's huge. I would, I would love, love, love to be able to have a device that, that would help with that kind of output in, 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 you know, what, what they should be doing when they should be doing it. But I think two things, I think the first one is I've been through it. I, I tell recruits that I've, I was a, a player and, and I realized the grind it is, um, you know, January for me is, is huge especially for your underclassmen there's no light at the end of the tunnel and it's cold and it's dark and it's it's just tough you know and and for a Kansas kid they they've played more games or as many games as they did through a whole high school season and now we're going to go play 10 to 15 more um and so so that's tough but i think one of the things that coach Cruz really really taught me is just take it slow <laughs> like there's no point i i specifically remember this was uh, probably, oh man, probably three weeks before he passed away. I was at his house and, uh, I was uh, probably five weeks maybe. Um, but I was at his house and I'm freaking out because every single sports team, I mean, we're talking fall, winter, spring was practice, like was doing stuff. And I'm like, should I be, should we be doing stuff right now? Like I'm, am I making the right decision? And he was just like, yeah, yes, you're making the right decision. Your, our season is so long. Like you can't, it makes no point. It, 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 you should not start stuff now and go full bore. You got to work your way into it. And that's one of the luxuries we have as opposed to fall sports that just jump right in in two a days and they're playing 10 days out. Um, but, but that's, that's super, super important as far as that. And then the second part of that is I got to ask my kids, I got to find those leaders that I trust and I'll straight up ask, Hey, how do you feel today? How are your legs today? And they're like, and some of them are coach. My legs are killing me. Coach Matt's workout was brutal. And I'm like, okay, you know, and I know there's other kids I'd ask that would say that every single day. Um, but just, just having a good relationship with, with my players that will honestly tell me, you know, like, Hey, no, I feel, I feel fine today. Or I'll say, Hey, do we, do we need to do some more running? Like, are you guys, do we get enough in today? And they understand we're coming back from Christmas, whatever it may be. Uh, but just trying to, to balance that. I think days off are not a bad thing. I think sometimes days off get way more accomplished than anything you do on the court especially in those grind months of, of January and February. Um, I think utilizing film and, and just the mental side of things is important. And listening to Pete, too, of like, hey, so-and-so. I, I don't care if, if – I don't – I'm not the coach that you miss practice the day before. You're not going to start, you know, like, or you're not going to play. Some Sometimes, I mean, one of our, our sixth person off the bench this year had horrible cramps and just couldn't practice. Okay, don't practice, but come watch and, and pay attention to what's going on. And, and so just – you know, whether it's backing a player off, they can only do a certain amount of reps. I'm totally okay with that um, and, and hoping that their teammates understand it's not special treatment that I'm going to do that for them too. But, um, I mean, there's absolutely a progression to a season. You know, that's why we have preseason conditioning. And I know my kids aren't in shape when they come, no matter what they did in the summer. And, you know, uh, preseason is be- before conference is different. And then when they get back from Christmas, it's 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 everything that you just did for, for four months, three months is – pretty much gone and so then you got to start over but then you're expected to play at a super high level and really really high stakes games and so we're lucky with a pool that's that's been that's been awesome um and just the rapid those kinds of things just those prevention are i think are really 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 important in the in the whole just making sure we're peaking at the right at the right time and they're not just totally gassed by the and in the way we play too I mean, I think about that too. I mean, good lord! I mean, they they run a lot. They run a lot, and so what's that? What what is their threshold? 
when are they going to be pushed over? And for everybody, it's different, which is which is tough. But that's definitely something I think of a lot. And Pete and I talk about that a lot. Well, it's been a long time. I mean, Kyle and maybe a little bit, but I mean, you played forty minutes mm-hmm. always. Yeah, I was mad when I got taken out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, we don't have, but maybe once no. a year, an athlete plays forty minutes. Yeah. You know, you're really good about getting them out, even if it's just a little break at the end mm-hmm. of the first quarter, get a little, a little longer break. Right. And, and that's a big part of what you and Coach Tanner do, but that's, that's a big load management piece. Mm-hmm. You know, think about you play every minute of every game, all of a sudden March rolls around. Can't feel your legs. Yeah. Can't it's, shoot. It's, it's, you know, it's, the, it's mm-hmm. this big NBA thing about load management, but, you know, you're still, you still don't play eight or nine kids like most college basketball coaches do. Mm-hmm. Hardly any of those guys – at any level, D1, and other, play 40 straight minutes. Mm-hmm. But 15 years ago, totally common. Well, and we were a different style of basketball, too. You know, yeah. I know I know. I've, I heard from somebody that coaches in our league use that against me. Well, she only plays eight or nine, and who knows if you'll be a part of that eight or nine. There's a lot of things wrong with saying that to a recruit. But, um, you know, I am a coach. Like Pete said, when I played, I played 40 minutes. I was – Coach Cruz knew I was mad at him when he took me out because I, I always want to be on the floor. We played a different style. If we played the style we play today, I probably could. I'm not the athlete to be able to do that. Um, and and just the the caliber of basketball is just I think a little bit higher. But um, but I it is it's it's low. You know, I my Taya Wilson. You know, it, she wants to go in the game whether we're ahead by one or we're ahead by fifty, and just making sure that they understand why they're sitting or, or why they're not playing at that point is, is super, super important yeah. too. You know, and that, that's hard too. Two years ago, I remember a game, um, we were ahead by, I think, 40 in the in the second quarter. And, and you know, but you still want your kids to be in shape and you, they still got to play. So that finding that happy medium and but not getting them hurt. Um, and it's, it, it is just something I think about all the time is just making sure that they're going to be fresh in March, which is – Hard to hard to see because then if somebody gets injured, you know, a stress fracture or a pulled muscle, that's a whole different ball game with that. Yeah, you've you've started implementing mental health days. Is that is that right? You know, I I know other coaches do. I I don't do that. Um, I'm really big on before we start practice, just saying, hey, this is this is your mental health break, is being at practice, mm-hmm. being around people you love taking two hours to or an hour and a half whatever it may be to be on the court doing something you love with people that you love um and so I've, I've thought about that I know like I said I know other coaches do that but I just I know for myself if I were to be alone and in a dorm room and have time to think and not be busy I don't that doesn't help with mental health but doing something that I love and being surrounded by people that I love even if I'm still grumpy or depressed or whatever at least I know that they're safe <laughs> and I have eyes on them, I think too. So it's, it's a little bit of twofold there, but, um, but we, we talk a lot about that, about using basketball as your, okay, don't worry about homework. Don't worry about that relationship. Don't worry about what's happening tonight. Use these two hours. And really our, our best players are able to do that. They're able to, able to kind of decompartmentalize and, and focus for those two hours. Our ones that maybe aren't as successful, they, they struggle with that big time. And I, but I think that's a life skill you got to have. There are times in your life where you got to be able to focus on what needs to be done at that time and not let all the, the plates that are spinning distract you. Um, and so so that that's really huge. So I, I don't do mental health days. I give the whole team days off for sure, but I don't I don't allow them just say, hey, coach. Now, if a kid comes to me and they're really, really struggling and, and 
then that's a different thing. But I don't just straight up say, Hey, you can, you can text me and have a mental health day. I just, I, I want that dialogue. You know, unfortunately that's probably the number one thing a kid comes in and talks to me about is kind of their mental health. And that's sad to me um, that, that so many kids are dealing with that, but it's the reality. And so um, I want them to have that dialogue and, and, it's usually not the first time I'm aware of something. So if they need a day off or I'm usually like, Hey, come sit and watch and just get your head right. Yeah. And the other thing I know is, and I've, I've no, I've gotten better at this. When I'm tired, they're tired. Mm, when I'm stressed, yeah. they're stressed. When I'm just, you know, in, in January, once again, I'm going to bring that up when I'm just like, man, I am just absolutely exhausted. They're tired too. They're juggling more things than I am. Um, and so that's, that's important just to trust my gut on that regardless of what everybody else is doing or what other people are saying, you know, it's just like, you know, having, having, just giving a day off is, is huge for them yeah. to go to Hutch and get their nails done and go to Walmart and get, you know, PJ, you know, whatever the crazy things that you do when you're in college, you yeah. need some time to be able to do that too. Yeah. Um, kind of our, our, our last segment, we, we, we've talked about kind of stories from the sidelines and, uh, um, Lots of lots of directions with this one here. A question I'd like to ask you would be, what, as a player or as a coach, what was a, an injury to an athlete that just shook you? We had a player uh, that got a concussion and started seizing on the court. Um, that one for sure shook me. That was in my first JV coaching, I think. I think I was coaching JV at that point. Um, and it was a, a game at night. It was not a, it was a non-con and, and that shook me. She had a history of concussions. So that was just, that was super scary. Um, another player, another concussion related got a concussion, took her a long time to recover from it. Literally first practice back, got another concussion, but developed amnesia, uh, with that concussion and, and, you know, went to the ER and, uh, just being there when she saw her mom and didn't know who her mom was, was, was pretty, um, gut-wrenching and just really 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 shook me for sure and then just the 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 ACLs um that that's really hard when a kid gets injured I immediately think to myself okay is it knee is it knee is it knee if it's knee and then it's just sick to your stomach um and so and and so the, the knees the knees are really really hard you know I'll never forget one of our seniors second time or third time tearing it and um, I'll never forget the scream that she had when she tore it again. It wasn't necessarily pain, but it was emotional pain and of realizing that she did it again and that her career was over. Um, and so th those are the ones I think that I will never forget and have, have shook me. And, and another reminder not to take things for granted, for yeah. sure. Yeah, absolutely. Is there, um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be even injuries, but like just stories that, Maybe it's in the in the training room. Somebody's coming back from an injury, mm -hmm. or or just interactions with with Pete or other sports medicine professionals. Is there any anything in your career as a player, in your career as a as a coach, that kind of stands out? I think it's it's every rehab kid. You know, I was I was really blessed. I played thousands of basketball games and and never had a torn ACL, which I look back on and my girls are always asking me to play. And I'm like, no, for a lot of reasons, but one of them is I know I'm going to go out there and know one time, you know, being old and out of shape and I'll <laughs> tear my ACL. Um, but, uh, I think just going in and, and seeing those kids go through the rehab process. I often wonder, I know I would have grinded through it because that's just what I do, but 
the mental struggle that they have and the ups and downs of that. Um, and then just the, the, how much they push themselves and it just hurts that that's just inspiring to me. That's something that will always stick with me. Um, it's, it's gut wrenching obviously when they go down, but to see them be resilient and to overcome adversity through that rehab process and just the relationship they build with Pete is pretty cool. Um, that's a bond that they'll have forever, unfortunately, you know, for an unfortunate reason, but it's a really awesome bond. So it's, it's cool to go in in there and, and, and see that, um, as they're going through that rehab process. Cause man, that's hard. And, you know, I especially have a heart for those kids that have gone through it multiple times. I, that's, that's unfortunately something Pete and I have seen a lot. Um, and so that, that's really hard, but, um, just being with them every step of the way. And we're blessed. Like I said, you know, these kids come out of surgery and the next day they're here with Pete doing stuff and, that's unreal to me and it, it hurts. You can see the pain, you can see everything and not even just physical, but the emotional. And the, that's, that's definitely huge. What, um, kind of, uh, maybe a philosophy, but athlete trainers, some of their stresses are telling the coach a kid can't play. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and then the coach has to like either, yep, I'm good at that or not good at that. Or, you know, so, I think one thing you've been better at than me um, is no, they're not going to practice today. No, they're not going to play this game. Mm -hmm. You know, I think uh, there's two sides for athletic trainers. The one is I'm hell bent that kid's going to play mm -hmm. because they want to play. Coach wants to play. I want to play. We're going to play. Uh, not protecting the athlete from the athlete, mm -hmm. right? And the other side of it is an athlete trainer who's young, who's scared to say, hey, coach, they're not going to play. And the coach is like, what? Yeah. They're not going to play. I just saw them walking around campus. They're just fine. Like, yeah. you've, been really, you've been really easy to work with on that because you've actually made more decisions than me on they're not going to play, mm -hmm. you know. And I'm like, no, I can get them back. You're like, well, are they going to be able – as you know, I always say, can they make the play? And you ask me, can they make the play? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, well, then they can't play then. I'm just – using your own psychology, Pete, mm -hmm. you know, like yeah. what's kind of your thoughts on that? Yeah, it, it, it is exactly that. You know, you come and speak in my class every semester about the psychology of athletic injuries, and, and that has really resonated with me is they can't make the play. I Also from personal experience, you know, I, I was a kid that would play through anything um, to the detriment of myself and to the detriment of the team. Um, you know, Michael Jordan could have played at 50 percent, and you still want Michael Jordan to play. Um it's it's realizing that it's a really long season. Um, it's what we talked about before. It's load. It's that kind of thing. And unfortunately, a lot of the injuries that we see can linger forever. And the only thing that will heal, heal them is rest. Um, and that is maddening uh, and definitely throws a wrench in everything you do as a coach and as a, as a program. Um, but uh, but that's that's super important. And sometimes I think it's, it's about knowing your kids, knowing your players of – Knowing that that kid, no matter what, they could have a, a broken arm. We've got one player like that, and she'll play. So I've got to be the one that, despite me wanting her to play, knowing if she doesn't play, you know, X, Y, and Z could happen, i got to protect that kid. And I think that's that's what I really think about a lot is like, okay, i got to take basketball and my competitiveness out of the equation, and I've got to be make a sound decision of A, what's going to be best for that kid, but B, what's going to be best for the team. And uh, and that's not always easy. And there's times that I really am like, like, gosh, you know. I mean, we, you, like you say in the class, you never want to, like, 
man, if we had you, we we would have won. Yeah. Um, but but it's it's what's best for the kid, and that's something that's really important to me is is not making things worse. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Something that we, you know, have asked athletic trainers that we've had on is like continuing education mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, but what I would ask you is, is there anything, you know, you teach sports, uh, sports psych. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything that, that you would love to go out and, and get either, um, some sort of certification or get more education on, mm-hmm. um, I mean, you hinted at, at getting more education on sports psych, but is there, is there anything else that would really pique your interest? Like, I want to go learn to do this. Yeah. For a long time, it was strength and conditioning. That was just a huge a huge thing I was interested in, you know, is coming off of being a collegiate athlete, super still involved in lifting and, and doing those things. Um, and definitely over the past couple of years or over the last, you know, 15 years since my career ended, that has kind of dwindled a little bit. Um, but I, aside from the psych of sport, I don't think I could, I can pinpoint anything. I just think that the, the mental side of things is so important. You know, I ask a question in my class every year, um, you know, what, what percentage of your sport is mental? And these kids, you know, come up with anything from 60 to 99%. And then we talk about, you know, how long do you guys practice every day? Well, depends if we have position groups, you know, anywhere from two to four hours they're together, you know, and, and then I make the point, if, if your sport's even 60% mental, it just doesn't add up, you know, you're practicing for two hours, but you're not doing any mental work. And so I, I think that there's, always new innovative research and and things that can help the student athlete i think that covid has exasperated has made mental health worse i think we're just going to continue to to see it as a problem and i just i think in females especially that lack of confidence they just show it in different ways and it manifests itself in different ways and there have been many times in my career with mental health struggles that i felt helpless and i hate that feeling and so to become more empowered and have better strategies to be able to help student athletes, whether they're mine or they're a part of someone else's sport, is something that I think is super important for all coaches to do for sure. But, yeah, that's that's probably my number one thing that I, aside from learning more about defense and how to be a good defensive <laughs> coach, you know, um, if my dad listens to this, I'll laugh at that because we always talk about that. But, um, but, yeah, probably just that psychology part. And, and like you said, probably load management. You know, how do you – without the tools that these D1 programs have. You know, I was at Iowa practice a couple of years ago, and they had all these – their AT was keeping track of all their load management stuff just at practice with the data trackers that they had that they were wearing and this stuff. And that stuff intrigues me. I think that's awesome. Um, so I'd, I would love to learn more about that. But but definitely the, the mental side of things would be would be 1, one through 10, and then 11 would be the, the load, man, load management yeah. stuff. Yeah. You uh, you'd said something earlier about – know books you'd read um and you thought that this book was the the <laughs> best thing you'd ever read until you read the next one like what are you reading currently mm-hmm. and then do you have any like recommendations that anybody that's involved in athletics should read this book yeah my, my most recent one was atomic Habic, habits um, by james cleary clear um and that one was awesome i it was super i love to read but i'm really big into audiobooks i have an audiobook going whenever I'm by myself in my house, whatever, just have audiobooks going. Um, and I kind of made a challenge to myself of, I love fiction stuff. And so 
Uh, one of my New Year's resolutions a couple years back was to, for every like three or four fiction, I would read, listen to a nonfiction. So I really try to make that be something involved with obviously psychology of sport. But Atomic Habits is, is really good. It's an easy book to read. Um, I, I baited making the girls read it, you know, just anything that can, can give strategies to be able to help. Um, that's huge. And just changing the way that you talk to yourself is, is so important. Um, you know, another thing we do is, you know, how many, how many, you know, you have 600,000 thoughts that go, or 60,600, one of those two that go through your mind every single day that only you and God know what's going through your mind. And, you know, if even 20% are negative, that, that, that's a whole lot. And so trying to change that, but, but Atomic Habits is, is a great one. Um, I love anything by John Gordon. He's a great, great writer. Um, I always, I always read books with the mindset of, man, would my, would my players like this? Like, or would my class like this? Um, and so they're easy reads. They have great messages. Um, he's a, he's a great author. There's, there's a ton, you know, I, I love stuff. Grit, uh, is it, there's a book on that growth mindset stuff. All that stuff is, is super, super awesome. I don't think you can go wrong yeah. with, with anything. Yeah. And even if it's about a different sport, you know, I've read stuff on golf. I mean, you think about a mental sport mm-hmm. and, and coach Tanner and I talk about that you know, parallels between golf and, and other sports for sure. But, um, and, and what I love about it is it athletics and sports are the bridge, but it helps you in life. You know, one of the things from atomic habits that it talks a lot about is what, what do you, who are you, you know, and like, what do you want to be known for? If you're an athlete, then an athlete works out. So when you work out thinking about it in the way of, I work out because I'm an athlete, not because of X, Y, and Z, you know, mm-hmm. or, or would a health, one of the things that's helped me is would a healthy person eat this? <laughs> would a healthy person, I think about that all the time now and I'm like, oh goodness gracious. No, they would not. You know, and then I still have the choice whether to eat it or not, but at least that question's going on in my head of how to reshape my habits, um, to, to benefit me and to, to benefit my body, which is really important. And I think that's, that can happen in basketball and, and just across the board for sure. And in, in life. Yeah. One of the things as we grow, we change. I mean, as a for me as a new father, there's a lot of things I've had to change, you know. And, and books I used to read, I don't read as much anymore. Um, but I, I think the, an overarching kind of context today is is continuing to get better, always striving for the best, and being the best version of yourself. But it doesn't have to be the same version that it was five years ago. Absolutely. I think it's one of the great things about about getting to know you and all these different capacities of these 19 years is that, you know, there'll be days at practice we just play kickball, <laughs> you know. There'll be times in the locker room when coach just comes in and says, all right, get up and tell someone beside you five things positive or everybody close your eyes, take a deep breath, and then you'll kind of talk to them as we're thinking before a game, you know, where you've evolved mm-hmm. and you've seen things that work, you know, and – uh, I think those are all really important things for all of our listeners. Like, go read books. Go li- go to go to symposiums. Go listen to different speakers talk. Go sit down with a coach or an athlete trainer someplace you don't work with at all, and just pick their brain on what they've been successful with. And I think that's a it's a really cool thing. It's like a chance to be intimately a part of the basketball program and see these things firsthand. And there's just so many things that I can look back on now and talk about load management and psychology of sport that you intentionally do. One of my favorite things this last year was, and actually one of our faculty did it because I told them about it, was you told the girls, I remember the first day of practice, go grab your cell phone and go call somebody that's, been, that's made an impact on your life. Mm-hmm. And that was like 
that was, you know, time away from practice. And other coaches like, we just lost 15 minutes of time. We could have been working on defense. And, and you were able to take a step back and say, we got six months to do this. And that was great. Uh, it's something that I'm actually going to do with our, with our new class coming in, something very similar to that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's something that Nicole did this year with our grad students uh, right after Christmas. Like, mm-hmm. pick up your phone and call somebody. And I, I love that when you did that. And I, I love the spur of the moment. And mm-hmm. that's just so great about, about you know, you know, you, you once were – you're always Casey me, but you were Casey the point guard, then you became Casey the assistant, and now you're my coach. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's cool to see that and how you've been – able to, you know, change your stripes, mm-hmm. but for the better of our team, for the better of yourself, for the better of our school. And so it's been great having you on to, just to hear to hear that myself, but even for our listeners to hear a coach-athlete trainer relationship and how it, how it can be done really well mm-hmm. and how one can help the other with their job that's not the job they're to do because we can always take input from other people as long as we respect them and they're coming from the right place, Absolutely. you know? And so, yeah, there's just some great things that I've been able to witness even in this the past two years and forget the success of the team and the wins and losses, just the success of those kids. Um, it's been awesome to watch. So it's just been great. It's been great watching you grow up. It's been great having you be a friend. It's awesome to have our first in-person guest. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we've learned a lot about today. We hopefully didn't screw anything up in our recording, <laughs> and we'll, we'll see. No, thank you guys for having me. This has been awesome. I don't like talking about myself, but, you know, you guys become great friends, and it's pretty pretty neat, pretty special to be a part of this. Thank you. Absolutely. We we knew we were, you know, going to have some, some coaches and stuff on, and, and – I looked at Pete last week. We were getting ready for the the staff meeting, and I was just like, "We need to have Casey on next week." Like, I don't know you anywhere near as, as well as Pete does, so it, it was really good to, to sit down with you today and just kind of, you know, pick your brain a little bit and and learn where you're coming from and how you you know view sports medicine and how you fit into that. And I've I've really enjoyed the talk today. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Yeah, please, coach. <laughs>